morning, y'all. Everybody all right? Everybody's awake today? Lights are awake. Oh, there we go. Lights are going a little crazy today. So uh, it's good to see y'all today. Thank you for being here. Thank you for all that you're doing. Thank you, my friend. A uh, couple of quick announcements. In fact, I say a couple. I got a, quite a few things that I need to talk about today. If you got your uh, app, go ahead and open up there. Uh, because to be honest with you, I've got to get there. A uh, couple of things that I want to m- remind you. Today's a big, big day. Uh, we have our fall festival today, uh, something that we plan towards all year long. And it is a huge outreach for us having to do with our community and uh, our neighborhood. People have been, you've been inviting people to come and be a part of this with you. And so today's an awesome day. Uh, it begins today at four o'clock. Uh, I'm looking for some help here. Four, yeah, thank you very much. Thank you very much, right here. How about I move this out of the way? Four o'clock today, uh, it starts and goes till seven. Uh, if you aren't able to stay for the whole thing, that's all right. Come and go. Thank you, Eric. Uh, Eric was the help I was needing right there. Uh, some of you, you've been bringing in uh, candy bags and all kinds of things like that. You keep doing that. Uh, you, so you can drop yours off out in the foyer or bring it with you tonight, all right? Uh, we, we are expecting a lot, a lot of kids. We want to give out a lot, a lot of candy, get a lot of kids hopped up on sugar. Sorry about that, teachers, uh, t- tomorrow. Uh, but you plan to be here. We're going to have our building open, and it'll be an opportunity for the friends that you're inviting to come and, and see and be a part and uh, know a little bit more about our community and help them to be able to take steps into our body. Uh, if you are a guest today, you've been a guest with us for a few weeks. One of the things we always like to do is ask you to fill out a guest card. It's right in front of you. It's uh, just a little connect card. Love for you to fill it out, drop it in the offering box on the way out. I'm going to send you a note this week, just an email saying thanks for being involved. We have something next Sunday, I believe it is, that is happening. It's going, or is it two Sundays? It's going to be up. It's called First Step. I'm out of it today. Uh, It's called First Step, and we'd love for you to register to be a part of that. You don't have to join our church to go to this class, but I do want to say everyone that does join our church does go to this class. This is a great place for you to kind of check in and who are we and what are we doing? What are we all about? Uh, And so you plan to uh, get involved in that. Heath is pointing to me. We got one more week. All right, next week. So you make sure you get involved and you register to be involved in that. You can see it takes a lot of work to get me to where I am right here at this moment. Uh, I apologize about that. Uh, The Grateful Gathering, our ladies event is coming up really, really quick. And uh, it's going to be happening the very first Friday of November. Make sure that you register to be a part of that. Ladies, if you're going to be involved in that, they need you to register because it's a catered event. Uh, It's going to be an incredible time. There is a guest speaker. Ruth Meyer is going to be speaking. And so you plan to be involved in that. Ruth's got an incredible testimony about what the Lord's been doing uh, in their life and in their family over the last couple of years. And so, ladies, you plan to be involved. And that would be a great opportunity to bring someone with you uh, and those types of things. Last week, I encouraged all the guys, come get involved in GRIT. It's our Monday night, uh, or excuse me, it was a Tuesday night. It's our monthly men's thing gathering. Uh, there were over 300 men uh, from across Middle Tennessee, our Middle Tennessee campuses, that came uh, to the Smyrna campus. There was a big uh, barbecue roast. There was men everywhere. It was outside, huge bonfire. But more than anything, the gospel was preached. 
300 men. I believe there were somewhere around 175 to 100 brand new people who've never had anything to do with LifePoint who came. That night, uh, there were around 20 folks who indicated that they wanted to surrender their life to Christ. They were counseled. It was an incredible, incredible evening. And we thank you for coming. Thank you for inviting. Thank you for praying. And uh, this is a great opportunity. So you continue to be involved in that, men. If you're new here and you're wanting to step into uh, some small groups, uh, life groups, men's groups, women's groups, uh, we have all kinds of opportunities on the app. You can see how to step into those groups. We really believe that that is a, a vital place for you and for us as it relates to life change and community and being united around the word. If you've got your Bibles, open up to the book of Colossians, Colossians chapter 3. Uh, thank you, Sarah, for coming and reading today. I sure do appreciate that. Uh, I have thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed <clears throat> this, uh, this, this book and what it is that God is doing, what it is that he's saying. Uh, I, just quickly, last week, we kind of talked a little bit about how the Lord uh, uh, has uniquely designed this book, how he ordained Paul, the Apostle Paul, to write to a city, a church uh, in a town called Colossae. And he spent the first two chapters. Now, again, he didn't write in chapters and verses. We added those uh, years and years and years later uh, to help us in being able to, to study and read and locate. But the first two chapters are all about doctrine. They're all about um, how we should rightly think so that when you get to chapters 3 and 4, he makes a transition to right practice. We, it's the difference between orthodoxy and ortho, orthopraxy, right living out of right uh, study. And we talked about last week, uh, because of who we are in Christ, because we are hidden in him, because we are in Christ, Jesus changes everything. We already know that he's over everything. We've seen that in Colossians chapter 1, verses 16, 17, 18, and 19, how everything is about him, everything is for him. He created all. He is above all. We've seen that. But now as we move into chapter 3 and 4, we begin to realize that he changes everything about who we are for those of us who are actually in him, those of us who are hidden in him. He changes what it is that we seek. He changes what it is that we set our minds on. He changes who it is that and what it is that we savor, that we think on, that we set our minds to, that we rest in because we are in Christ. We talked about last week, I pointed out, I don't know if you remember this, if you've got your Bible, I want you to circle a couple of things. Maybe you can take a couple of notes, write these down. But there were a couple of parallels that we saw last week that I really want to make sure that you catch because we're going to see a third parallel today as we go on. The first one was this, is that it said that you're, you're raised in Christ. And to be raised in Christ in verse 1, there is a flip side of that, a parallel to that, that if you're raised in Christ, verse 3, that means that you've, you've died with him. For you to be raised with Christ, there has to be a point where you've died with him. You have come under him. You've submitted to him. His death on the cross paid the price, paid the penalty for our sin. So to be raised with him, there has to be a point that we had died in him also. Look at verse 3. Verse 3 talks about that there are those who are hidden with Christ in the heavenlies. So if you are hidden with him, the passage says in verse 3, it also has a parallel in verse 4. It says that if you're hidden with him, 
in Christ that there's going to be a day when you return with him. You're also going to return with him. The third parallel that I want you to see today as we keep going and we're going to get there is in verse 9. Verse 9, he talks about putting off the old self. In verse 10, he talks about putting on the new self. You heard Sarah read that passage just a few minutes ago. In here now, we start making a transition again in verses 5 through 11. Paul's going to be very, very, very specific with us. And he says that we have to put to death something, that we have to kill something. In the 1600s, you, you had Puritan preachers, and they get a bad rap for being uh, strict, moralist, that they were hard, that they talked about and preached about uh, a, a curmudgeon God, so to speak. But you know what? Really, what I think the Puritan preachers, the Puritan pastors of the day, they held up a holy God. They held up a God who was holy, righteous, and just and called people to follow him. And that if we identify with him, then we must kill sin in our lives. Two preachers of that day, one was a man named Richard Baxter. And Richard Baxter said this. He said, you're either going to be killing sin or it's going to be killing you. You're either going to be killing sin or it's going to be killing you. Another Puritan preacher of the day in the 1600s was a man named John, uh, was, uh, uh, John Owen. And John Owen wrote a famous book called The Mortification of Sin. The word mortification means to kill, to die, to put to death. And he's talking about us killing sin. Today, there are two points that I want us to see, two things, two phrases that we're going to talk about today. And the first one is this. It's, we had to kill sin. We got to kill sin. And if we're going to kill sin, we, the reason we kill sin is because by killing sin, it helps us to live to win, live victorious. Then we have a victorious life in Christ. Uh, I've had the opportunity to, uh, and it was a unique opportunity. I loved it while I was in the middle of it, uh, lead conversation English classes. Uh, when we lived abroad, we would gather people, international students, and we would uh, just talk about English. They wanted to, conver to have conversation in English to practice. And one of the things that I began to realize, uh, now I'm not real good in grammar. Uh, some of you may go, yeah, we can tell that week after week after week, uh, is uh, how difficult the English language is. You know, words have so many kinds of meanings in English. And I'm sure it's this way in other languages, but in English specifically, there's a word that Paul uses today or a phrase in this passage is put to death literally means to kill. Now, that word is not necessarily PC today. Uh, you know, you're, you're, we don't talk about killing all kinds of people, and, uh, but we do use the word kill a lot. I was thinking about all the different ways that we use kill. Here's several ways. Number one, we, you do talk about someone being killed, literally their physical body being killed. Uh, a, a heinous crime. But we also talk about uh, your back. Oh, my back is killing me. My feet are killing me. Last week with all the walking we did on our, on our travels in Brussels, my feet were killing me. If you play, uh, some of you ladies, maybe some of you guys who play volleyball, there is a, you, you go up for a spike and you kill it. You kill it. It happens in tennis. You talk about that. You talk about killing animals. You know, like hunter. Uh, if, you're, if, you, if, you, if you hunt, you are killing deer. You're killing does. You're 
I don't know what else you kill. What else you kill? You kill all kinds. Kill a bear. I don't know. Thank you. Very, oh, kill a bunny. You may be a bunny. There you go. Maybe you kill a bunny also. Uh, you know, uh, it, it, people talk about killing food. Like, man, he killed that steak. Man, he, uh, 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 you talk about enjoying something or somebody that's doing a good job. They talk about, boy, he killed it. Well, today in the passage that Sarah read and that Paul wrote, he talks about killing something. He talks about putting something to death. And that if we don't put something to death, it's going to kill us. Look at verses three through five. I want to read, or excuse me, chapter three, verses five and six. He says this, Paul writes and he says, put to death, kill it, put to death what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. If you've got your Bibles, turn over to the book of Romans. Just flip back a couple of pages. This is a verse that we've talked about, Romans chapter 8, verse 13. We've talked about this verse previously, but I want you to see what he says. And you can link these. If you're, if you're one who writes in your Bible, put Romans 8.13 out beside that passage. He says this, Paul's writing, he says, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. He says, but if by the spirit, but if by the spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. He says, if you live by the flesh, you're going to die. If you live by the spirit, if you put to death by the Spirit, Spirit-powered, Spirit-infused, the deeds of the body, then you will live. Pastor Ray, Flower, uh, Ray, Ray uh, Fowler has said this, when it comes to sin, you don't trick it, you don't tame it, you don't train it, you terminate it. You don't put it in a drawer somewhere trying to hide it. He says, you put it to death. Folks, let me ask you, today, ask you a question today. Is there some sin in your life that no one knows about but you, ones that you kind of have as a pet. Maybe you've got it on a leash and you think you're got, you've got it tamed, but in reality, it has you on a leash and it's got you chained. Is there something that you've been hiding away? Because here's what I want us to catch today as followers of Christ. Out of all the great theology that Paul has given us at the beginning of this book, he comes now and he says, listen, you've got to put to death the sin that is reigning in your life. These things, he says, you have to put it to death. And here's the fallacy of sin. Sin looks good. It looks enjoyable. It lies to you and it tells you this is where life is found. And, and I need, listen, listen, if it didn't look good, it didn't look enjoyable and people didn't think it was fun, they wouldn't do it but it is a lie. Even this week, you know, uh, growing up being a youth pastor, uh, every youth pastor had a sermon. And I heard this phrase again uh, this week about sin. Sin will take you further than you wanna go. Sin will keep you longer than you wanna stay. And sin will keep you, will cost you more than you wanna pay. Did you catch that? Sin will take you further than you ever want to go. We just want to dabble, and before long, we're trapped. What once was a 
toehold becomes a foothold and then sooner or later becomes a stronghold in your life. It'll take you further than you want to go. It will cost you more than you want to pay. And it'll keep you there a whole lot longer than you want to stay. This is what sin does to you. And Paul says that we have to kill it. And he gives a couple of lists here in the passage that we just read. He gives a couple of lists. And the very first one is very specific. In fact, he gets very specific with sins that were going on in the church at Colossae 2,000 years ago. And what's crazy is they're still happening to us today. The word of God, which, he, which was written 2,000 years ago, is still applicable to us today. It is, we're still doing battle with these same things. The more things change, the more they stay the same. I want you to hear that. There is nothing new under the sun. We all are continuing to deal with the same things that Jesus died for in the first century. He has overcome them even in that day, and it still applies today to us in the year 2022. The, the list that he gives is very specific. He gives some very specific sexual sins. And I want to take just a few moments. I want to take a few moments because have you thought about how much sex and sexuality plays into every part of our world? You can't turn on the television without a commercial being sexual. The selling of hamburgers has become sexual. It has. You can't look at anything on social media without an ad rolling through. You can't listen to the radio. You can't listen to talk radio without there being a sexual commercial about our inabilities or our overabilities. Folks, as a church, we uh, sometimes I'll have people say, man, we talk about sex a lot. Yes, we do, because it's everywhere, it's pervasive. And as a body, we have to get a handle on these things. Folks, I, parents, I want to say this, parents, you've got to talk to your kids early and often. Age appropriate, hear me, age appropriate, begin introduction, because I need you to know this, it's being talked about in schools, it's being talked about in preschools, it's being talked about everywhere. And what you don't think your kids know, they know. And what we want is for them to know from you, what does the word of God say? And he gets very specific here. And do you, do you realize, I ask that as a rhetorical question, but do you realize that the way God has designed sex, the world is diametrically opposed to it? You see, the war, God designed sex and se the sexual union between a husband and a wife is a beautiful thing. He has designed it to be that way. And yet the world has taken it and turned it upside down. Satan, because of our, our broken world, has used it, abused it. He's caused us not to want to talk about it, not to celebrate it as a church in the proper context. And I need to say this, you know, apart from the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ in my own life, I understand why the world enjoys it so much and wants it all the time. You realize the prevailing ethic today is anywhere, anytime, with anyone I desire, doesn't matter genders, everything is fluid. Some of you right now, 
You're very, uh, you're uncomfortable. And you know what? That's good. I want us to be uncomfortable because we've got to get uncomfortable enough to begin to go, we have to begin to talk more about this as a body, as a believers, with our own children, with our own family. You see, God designed sex to be good between a husband, a wife, your husband and your wife. Not someone else's husband and someone else's wife. Not before marriage and not extra during your marriage. Not man and man or woman and woman. Two. Not three. This is what God has designed. And he gets very, very specific. So look with me, verse 5. Look with me in verse 5. Let's, let's kind of dive in here for a second here. Uh, and Paul lists out in verse, in verse 5, he's, he begins to lay it out. He talks about sexual immorality. He talks about impurity. He talks about passions. He talks about evil desires. He talks about covetousness, which he says is idolatry. Now, the word sexual immorality there is a Greek word called porneia, porneia. Where do you think we get the word, what, what that word leads to for us today? It leads to pornography. Uh, it, it's kind of it's kind of an overarching catch-all phrase for sexual immorality. It it entails all kinds of sexual immorality that is outside of what God's bounds are. It's sex before marriage. Maybe you've heard that fornica- for, uh, fornication, adultery, extra sex in your marriage homosexuality, lesbianism, transgenderism. Uh, Notice that he even goes even further and he talks about passions. Passions are emotional. Passions are things that you don't necessarily see. They're things that well up within us. He talks about desires, evil desires. He talks about covetousness. How does covetousness work within this list of very... uh, General broad sexual sins, seeing someone else, and I desire them. They're not mine, but I want something that is my neighbor's, male, female. It, and he says, listen, this is wrong. This is, you've got to put this to death. He says, you have to kill this thing, because if we don't kill it, it's going to be killing us. And some in here today, just to be real honest with you, you're dying. Your feet are so tangled up. Your minds are so bound up because you're involved in something that Paul has just very specifically laid out. And listen, if we're going to break free, if we're going to break free of the sin that we're entangled in, we have to get very specific. God, forgive me of all my sins. Which ones are those? We've got to get specific. Some of you, again, got really tight. Are we going to like start calling these out? No, you need to start calling them out. You need to start saying, Father, I I am stuck in the midst of pornography. God, I can't control my mind. God, the thing, I'm desirous of this person. Until you, this will be the only name it and claim it you hear me say, but until you name that sin and you claim it as your own, And you go before the Father, God, I am so thankful that you've forgiven me. 
I'm agreeing with you that this doesn't line up with me as a follower of yours. God, I want to put this to death. And some of you today, you can't even imagine, can I break free? I want you to know, by the power of the Holy Spirit, not by your power. Remember Romans 8, 13, if we, by the power of the Spirit, we can put this to death because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And you can be free from something you don't think I could ever get loose of. And I need you to know, this is what he says. You're thinking, man, okay, those are the actions. You, you really mean that the way I think matters, what I think about? Yeah, turn over to Matthew, Matthew chapter five. I'm so thankful that we uh, went through the Sermon on the Mount. Look at Matthew chapter five, verse 27. I think I messed up putting on a flannel shirt this morning. Matthew 5, 27, Jesus is speaking. He says, you've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you, if you look at a woman with lustful intent, you've already committed adultery in your heart. Yes. It's not just your actions. It is the evil intent of our own heart. And he says, we have to put that to death. We have to kill that because if we don't, if we don't kill it, you know what? It's going to be killing us. Folks, I want to stand here today to you, and I want to hold out freedom and life to you. It is found in Jesus Christ. The sexual sin that you are dealing with, that you're, you want to be free from, I want you to know, he wants to free you of it. He's already paid the penalty of it, and today he extends to you, I give you life. I give you life. But he goes to a second set of lists. He, look, look at the second list that he gives. And it's in verse 8. He starts in verse 8. Verse 8 and verse 9. The first list dealt with sexual sin. This one deals with some relational issues. Now, that doesn't mean that sexual issues don't, aren't relational. They are. But he gets a little bit more. He hones in a little bit closer probably for some of us where we may be actually living today. Hopefully, hopefully not. But he says, but now you must put them all away. Not just the sexual sins, but you got to put all of it away. He says, now, but you must put it all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off, there's that put off, you've put off the old self with its practices. Notice his list. He, I, wanna, I just wanna, I wanna, I want you to make sure, circle them, underline them something. We're going to define these. He talks about anger. He talks about wrath. We don't use the word malice, but we do use the word malicious, which closely relates here. Malice, obscene talking, lying. You read this and you immediately probably go, oh yeah, I recognize that. In fact, I even recognize that in my own life sometimes. Well, most of us in here, you've probably been angry, haven't you? Some of you are going, angry, have I been? I did that this morning. On my way here, I got angry. Well, I want to distinguish something for you. Anger is an emotion. Wrath is an action, all right? Anger is an emotion. Wrath is the outward expression of that. The, the, it's the action portion of that. And you know what? Anger is not wrong. Now, our type of anger, God is, God is holy and righteous and his anger is always perfect. Our anger, there are some things we should get angry about. Unjust war that leads to all kinds of refugees who have to flee their home, which affects millions upon millions of people today. The overwhelming majority of them are women and children. 
who, ha- who are living in refugee camps. You've got the issues of babies that are aborted and murdered. You've got the abuse of people. You've got human trafficking. You've got all kinds of things that, to be real honest with you, we probably ought to get a little bit more angry about them in righteous anger and seek to do something about. That's not the anger, though, that most of us deal with, is it? Most of us deal with the type of anger that ends up when you're checking out of the line and you're in the express lane with 15 and you notice the buggy is full of the person right in front of you and they're slowing things down. You get angry about that. Cause you to begin to you begin to get fired up because they're in my way. They're stopping me. Maybe it's like you're getting out on 24 and you recognize that the acceleration ramp, the on-ramp means to accelerate. Go, go. They won't let you in. You're angry because you're driving down Murfreesboro Road and the car's swerving. And it's not because they're asleep, it's because they're checking their email, trying to text somebody. And you're angry, you're ticked off about those types of things. And they end up leading you in an unrighteous anger. Let me ask you something. What's the last thing you got angry about? Like, what's the last thing you got angry about? And I, I, I see all kinds of ladies looking at men in here. <laughs> And I see husbands just looking straight ahead. <laughs> What's the last thing you got angry about? Let me ask you this question. Why'd you get angry? Because uh, we, we can remember what we got angry about. Can you remember why did you get angry? What, what was it about that? What is it about that that was deep in you that caused that anger? Because it can't just be them. There's something that triggers in you. You know, wrath. Wrath is that thing where in your anger, many times we sin and we like blow up. You've had, you've kept it tamped down, tamped down. You've tried to stuff it. You've tried to keep it out of the way, but ends up, you know what it's like. It's like the, 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 the can, you just shake up. And it just keeps getting shook up, shook up. And then finally that top pops and it just goes everywhere. That's wrath. When you blow up, you lose it. And I need you to hear me. Uh, There's only one person who has righteous and holy wrath. And his name is God. And he poured it out on his son who absorbed it all. And I need you to hear me. Listen, 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 listen. If you're struggling with anger, if you're struggling with wrath, I need you to know there is forgiveness and there is freedom found in Jesus Christ. There's forgiveness. But you've got to hear this. You and I have been commanded to kill it, to put it to death. Because if we don't put to death that anger and that wrath, it's going to kill us. Not only will it kill your relationships, it kills your soul. It causes your soul. Think of a grape. You leave it out in the sun. Do you realize what ends up happening? It shrivels up. Some of you are going, ooh, a raisin. That's not the way it's supposed to be. It will kill you. He says, we're to put to death this wrath. He's going to put to death this anger. Notice the next thing that he says. He talks about malice. You know what malice is? Malice is desiring people to suffer. Uh, you, you want something to happen to them that's not good. 
Some of you are going, that's not me. I don't deal with that. How many of you have been driving down 65, 24, maybe in your neighborhood and a car just go whoosh? And you're going, boy, I wish there was a cop right here that'd jump on them. I'd love to drive by and just kind of smile. Yeah, that got a little close, didn't it? <laughs> Listen, when we wish ill intent on somebody, some of you in here, you, I mean, listen, look, just be honest with you, you, you've come up in a very bad situation. You may have been in a, an abusive home, abusive mom and dad, someone who they nagged all the time. And, and though you would never say it in here, you're thinking, oh, I just wish you realize that's malice. And he says, you have to put that to death because if not, it's gonna kill you. That root of bitterness will grow up in you and that root gets really, really deep and you pretty soon will become so hard-hearted. Anger, wrath, and malice. He talks about slander. He talks about defaming someone's character or reputation. That's why he talks about so seriously in other books about gossip, the way we use our tongue. He ends that. He talks about abusive speech, obscene talk. Now, listen, I want to say that obscene talk is, a, is another one of those junk drawer kinds of words there. It can mean like filthy talk that links back to the sexual list that he gave where you make jokes that are crude. You talk about men or women in a way that is demeaning to them. But it's also abusive talk where you speak in ways to people that tear them down, whether it's behind them or to them. And many times what ends up happening is in our anger, we let wrath come forth and we blow up and we say things that tear people to pieces. And you know what Paul says? Paul says that we have to put it to death. This is why it's so important that we are, we're not just general. We have to be specific. God, what is it? Holy Spirit, will you speak to me? Right now in this room, I know the Lord is speaking to some about things that are on that we've talked about here. And you know, and I want to continue to hold up because Jesus died for you because you've surrendered your life to him, because he has brought freedom to you. You may feel chained, and he's here today. The spirit is speaking. He calls out to you. There's freedom. Listen, you've gone back to the dirt pile and tried to start picking it up. I've paid for it. You don't have to deal there. He says, it's time to start killing sin. The second thing, real quick, as we move through, as we come to a close here, is that if we're going to kill sin, when we do kill sin, it causes us to be able to live to win, to live a life of victory. Look at verse 7 and then verses 10 and 11. He's calling us to live differently. And notice what he says in verse 7. In verse 7, he says this, In these, in these, you too once walked, when you were living in them. Now, I want to stop right there. Leave that on the screen. Here's what I want you to catch. Listen, some of you, you've been in these lists. Some of you, you thought I would never get free. Some of you, it has been a struggle. You've seen your marriages healed because they were on the brink of destruction. And he has set you free. You too once walked in those. But thanks be to God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, 
Not your power, his power. Yes, it took you confessing and naming it, however it happened. Either you came clean or you were found out, but you are now free of that. Thanks be to God. And some of you, you're still walking in that. Here's the thing. Paul said 2,000 years ago, listen, some of you, you once walked in that, but you no longer walk in that. You no longer live in that. Look at verse 10. He says, and and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Verse 11, here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave free, but Christ is all and in all. It doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, what your socioeconomics is. I need you to know he holds out freedom to you today. He holds out freedom to you today. And he calls us here and he says, you once walked in this, but Jesus has now set you free. That ought to be encouragement to you. That ought to be, for some of you, you could stand and testify right now and say, that was me, but he has changed me. Not only did he save me, he set me free from things I thought I was gonna die in, things that were gonna kill my marriage, things that were gonna kill my life, things that killed my relationship, things my soul was shriveling up. But I'm free today. I need you to hear, that's still held out to you today who are in chains. He brought you here today to set you free. And you're among friends who have walked this very road. And he wants to set you free. But I need you to hear this. You can't straighten yourself out. You see, the order here is very specific. This is like, I'm really dirty, so I'm gonna like go in and take a little bath before I get in the shower, or I'm gonna take a shower before I get in the bath. Some of you go, I've been there. Listen, how does this work? You can't clean yourself up of the things that you're struggling with. You can't do it in your own power. It only comes by the power of Jesus Christ, surrendering your life to him, submitting your life to him, you coming under his lordship, you coming to him and saying, God, I can't do this. This is yours. I give you my life. You, you've forgiven me already. God, I need you to change me. You, you don't get cleaned up and then come to Jesus. You come to Jesus and he cleans you up. You can't break free and then come to him. You come to him and then he breaks you free. And this is what he's called us to today. Notice that Paul, I hope you've circled these all the way through, and you're going to see two more. But in these few verses that we've just read today, four times he talks about putting on, putting on, putting off. Use the word put. He's using an illustration here. That word literally means like clothing, and we'll talk more about this next week. But he's talking about putting on a new, taking off an old set of clothes and putting on a new set of clothes. For us, that might be like somebody getting traded from one team to the next. They had this uniform on. They're no longer on that team. They're now over here. They put on a new uniform. They're completely different. And he says, listen, you once walked over here. He says, you take that off and you put on the new uniform. How does that happen? He talks about being renewed, which is being renewed, verse 10, in knowledge after the image of its creator. That should remind you, those of you who have walked with Christ for a while, a, a passage over in Romans, Romans chapter 12, that we're to be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. Birds of a feather flock together. 
these things that you need to put to death, some of you need to find a whole new coop. You need to fly that one, and you need to get with the people who are loving Jesus, who are seeking to walk with him. You, you, listen, you may, have been, you may have broke free from alcoholism, and you want to go back to the bar, and you want to tell everybody in the bar, but it may not be time for you to walk back into the bar every week. You see, we need to renew our mind. Jesus has transformed our heart. The old is gone, the new has come, and today, by the power of the Spirit, we're called to put to death, kill that thing. And the reason some of us in here are not living victorious, you're not living, living to win, is because you're still struggling with sin. I mean, when I say struggling, I don't mean being perfect. Listen, if, 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 please do not hear that we're going to be perfect. No, we're not perfect. None of us are going to be perfect, but we are forgiven. We're not talking about perfection. We're talking about the direction of our life. Some of you are still practicing. And you know why you practice, don't you? To get good. <laughs> Teams practice, so they're getting good at doing something. Some of you have been practicing a long time, and you've gotten really good at it. And today, he's calling you to kill it because he laid his life down and was killed so that you might have freedom from this. And you know, the thing we don't think about often enough is that he's talking to believers here. This was a church, this was a letter written to a church. And folks, we still struggle 2,000 years later with these same things. So he writes to us, he sends this letter to us to say, kill it, it's gonna kill you. Put it to death. You have a body of people here who want to walk with you in this. Why do we put it to death? Because he says there's a day coming in verse 6. Look back at verse 6. Verse 6, he says, listen, well, you do this because the wrath of God is coming. God is righteous. He is holy. He, he has anger towards sin. And there will be a day when he pours out his action upon Sinners, those who've never surrendered their life, those who have said, I can do this on my own. I don't need Jesus. The scripture says there's going to be a day when he pours out his wrath on them. That righteous and holy anger, they will have an action to it. And they will go to a place, a real place called hell. If there's a real place heaven, there's got to be a real place hell. They'll be eternally separated. Folks, do you realize that today, as a follower of Jesus Christ, you are no longer bound. You are no longer chained. The shackles that are on your feet, you realize they're open. You just choose to keep wearing them. You can walk free by the power of the Spirit who lives in you, by renewing your mind by the word of God, by the community of believers who want to walk with you, who love you, who want to stand with you. Listen, either we kill it or it's going to kill us. And if you want to live a victorious life 
a life of power, a life of testimony, a life of abundance in your home, then we name what that is. We confess it to the Lord. If you're married, you tell your husband or your wife, you tell your spouse, no secrets. And then you walk free by the power of the Holy Spirit. Today, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's kill it. Here's what I want to ask that we do today. Today, we're going to take a few moments. And Zion, why don't you go ahead and come on up here. I'm going to ask Zion just to come. He's going to, he's going to give us a few moments here. And I'm going to ask in just a moment when I say, I want you to stand up because some of you may want to come down here and pray. You may want to turn your seat into an altar. You may want to turn to a husband and wife. You may want to turn to a friend that you're with. Some of you may go, man, I, I want to go talk to this person here because I love them and I trust them. I want them to pray with me. Some of you are going to need to just sit for a moment and say, Father, what, what is this? And maybe this is the time for you to name. Father, this is what I've been struggling with, and I want to kill it today by the power of the Spirit. I agree with you. I thank you that you've forgiven me. You, you've already paid the penalty. And now today, Father, set me free to walk some of you in here, you may want to surrender your life to Christ. You want to talk to somebody. I'll be down here. I'll be back at the back after we're done. I'd love to talk with you. I want to be here. I'll pray with you. We'll have ladies ready to pray with ladies if you'd like to come. We can flood the altar. Father, what is it, what is it that you desire of us today? Lord Jesus, I love you. I honor you. I thank you. Father, I thank you for the word and how it's pierced me this week, Father. Holy Spirit, God, would you send your Holy Spirit to do work in individuals' lives? We, we, we know that your Spirit is here today. We know that. And so now I pray that you would give people courage to act in obedience to what the Spirit is pointing to them. I pray, Father, that you would save people today, that you would call them from death to life. Father, I pray... God, that they wouldn't walk away from here without speaking to somebody about how to have new life, how to have freedom about this death that your son died on our behalf. I thank you that I no longer will pay the penalty because Jesus did. And it's in his name that I ask these things today. Amen. I'm gonna ask that you stand. You don't have to look around. And to be real honest with you, the standing is to give you the freedom to be able to move. Someone will let you out if you want. You have the ability to come and pray. Please do that right now. We're not singing right now. This is a time for us to do whatever it is the Lord is calling us to. You be obedient to his spirit.
Father, I ask that you would hear the prayers of your people. Father, I ask that as we sing to you today, may we sing and respond in such a way that is with a free heart, a heart that has been set free today. We magnify you. We honor you, Jesus. And it's in your name that I ask these things today. Amen. Zion.